1: This is Reception Perception, the show. Now, James Cole and Matt Harmon. Uh,
0: But I will tell you this if you go to the website, uh, receptionperception.com, and you go check out the profile that just dropped here on Hollywood Brown, I'm always surprised, I really am, by how much green is on this man's route shark. You know, uh, he's got a ton of green everywhere on his profile. I think that would surprise a lot of folks. I know that surprised me, Matt.
1: Yeah, I actually think now that Tyler Lockett. He's getting mentioned in, on my list as a top five route runner. I think he's pr- kind of he's not all the way there. He still needs more recognition. Uh, I, th- I think he's probably still one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. But I actually think Hollywood yeah. Brown kind of deserves to be mentioned among the most underrated receivers in the NFL. Um, he's not okay. he's not a number one. I- I'll get off the top here by saying that I don't think he is a he's a number one type okay. of receiver. But yeah. I still think he's probably. One of the more underrated guys, and what's really you—you you always notice this—he's got a ton of green on his route tree. I actually, came think mm-hmm. he came in the league as like a pretty refined player. Uh, you know, obviously he's cousins with Antonio Brown. Um, Antonio mm-hmm. Brown, famously, you know, a crazy person, but also famously a great <laughs> route runner, a great technician. <laughs> yes. And I actually have, I got a chance to right. talk to Marquise before the draft, and like he kind of went into detail about how much he really bounced back then, bounced ideas off of his cousin Antonio Brown, and mm. and really that relationship went into a lot of the technical refinement in his game. But I think you look at Marquise Brown's reception perception, all four years of his career, he's been over 80% success rate versus zone coverage. He's gotten as high as 85.4%. Last year, is at 82.1%, which was 11th best among the players sampled from the 2022 NFL season. And that's important because if you look at him throughout his career, the last three years, he's faced zone coverage – on 64.5, 68.1, and 65.3% of his sampled routes. Some of that is because he you know, plays with mobile quarterbacks. Uh, Lamar Jackson, yeah. mobile quarterback. Kyler Murray, mobile quarterback. Um, but yeah. he's also just a guy, again, that because he faces all that zone coverage, and, and he also plays a lot off the line of scrimmage. He's primarily like a flanker and sometimes moves into the slot. That's his best role. Uh, and I know we'll expand on that more in a second, but because of that role, he yeah. faces a lot of zone coverage, and he's actually pr- probably one of the more underrated zone beaters in the NFL right now,
0: which is interesting. Um, you know, with that all that speed, you would think, okay, can this guy play? And and, and again, not just the speed, Matt, but where he lines up. He generally lines up as an outside wide receiver. I hear what you're saying. You, you'd like to see him a little off the line and, and mixing into the slot as well, but I think primarily people view him as a guy that plays outside. Um, I think he's a uh, to me, I think he, from a construction standpoint, like a team construction standpoint, he would be ideal as your number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, you you want a guy that can, that can fly a little bit, playing outside, doing those different type of things. Um, it's his man score that surprises me though, right? And again, you marry this with, and I know you say it all the time, just don't look at just the colors, man. Like you got to like get some of the context in there too. But again, going back to the route tree, you do see a lot of green on his routes but he's a 27th percentile score versus man. And again, so how do you kind of juxtapose those two things together? And, and that's where my mind gets kind of twisted into a little bit of a pretzel when it comes to Hollywood Brown.
1: Yeah. Well, again, it comes back to the fact that he's running against so much zone coverage. It's, that's going to boost the averages overall when he's the 11th best player last year against zone coverage, uh, but he's not that great against man coverage, but he's running 65.3% right. of his routes against zone coverage. So if the way to boil it down simply is more of his routes divorced of coverage were good than bad. Right. (laughs) But then you put the context to it with the man coverage stuff. And I think that's why you've seen sort of offenses where he has been the number one guy sort of stall out. Um, I think about Mm -hmm. the 2019, uh, no, excuse me, 2020 Ravens offense. They, he was the number one outside guy and that was his, worst season from or well it wasn't his worst season but it was a slower season for him it was the slowest se- season from a success rate versus zone standpoint um, mm-hmm. I and and really it's to me it, he's just a guy that you know I, I think Again, he's the consummate flanker receiver. You know those guys are going to run against zone coverage more often than man coverage. Generally, the more you line up off the line of scrimmage, the more you're going to be that flanker receiver. Uh, the more you're going to run against zone coverage. I think he makes the most sense in that role. So the press man stuff is is what keeps him from being. And look, size isn't everything, but he is a small guy, and he's a he's a small Ooh, guy from oh a yeah. weight perspective, and he doesn't have the same frame. You know, as a guy like uh, Devontae Smith, who has the long arms and has more of like a catch radius overall, and he's just a better technician as well. So I think that's why he kind of struggles against man coverage is simply or press coverage simply because of the size. But the fact that he's so good against zone does sort of offset that.
0: Uh, I want to expand a little bit on his uh, man scores, too. It's been progressively falling since 2019, uh, 73.6% success rate versus man in 2019, then 68%, and then back-to-back years now of 62.6% success rate versus man. And again, that score at around 63% uh, clocks in at the 27th percentile uh, versus man coverage. You know, when you look at that... It, I think it, it really does explain why it's hard. It would be very difficult to build your passing attack around a guy like Hollywood Brown as your true like number one receiver, even though from a speed perspective, um, I, I, he has some traits, I think, that are, are certainly appetizing for a number one. But he just doesn't quite get there uh, in terms of some of the other benchmarks.
1: Uh, yeah, totally agree, and I think he, again that's why he's not really like a true one. And even last year, he was producing really well for uh, Cardinals offense without DeAndre Hopkins, right? The targets and the and some of the production from right. that stretch was really good. But I, I think, man, and we really never got to see it, right? Because when Hopkins got back, like Brown had that de- de- was dealing with a foot injury. That is one thing to note with him is that he was dealing sort of with he- another foot injury. Yes. This has been a problem for right. him Chronic. before. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But in the early part of the year. Like you look at his alignment data and reception perception on the like on the surface, right? Sixty one point seven percent snaps outside uh, was majority on the line, fifty six percent, but. Those numbers were really inflated by the four games that I sampled without Hopkins to start the year when Mm. Brown was like a pure boundary receiver. He was the top guy on the team and he was running mostly I wouldn't say as like a true X because Cliff Kingsbury's offense is kind of weird from that standpoint. But he was a pure boundary (laughs) receiver and on the line of scrimmage. And then you look at when Hopkins got back. Even with Hopkins playing a little bit more in the slot than than normal under Cliff Mm -hmm. Kingsbury, he was still primarily outside and on the line of scrimmage, uh, and and that really actually helped Hollywood Brown be more in this like pre-snap motion role, be more uh, off the line of scrimmage, which again, I think thinking about him as a complimentary receiver now the thing is he's probably not going to be a complimentary receiver on this cardinals offense right because uh no no and and really he's actually from a fantasy angle i really considered putting him in the uh 10 receivers ranked above consensus uh article Hmm. because i actually do i think i have him ranked five spots ahead of consensus right now but because he didn't i didn't have the profile done up i didn't want to put him in the article but i do think he would be a guy that I'm willing to take look and it's I have no idea what the Cardinals offense looks right now right because of the quarterback situation and that yeah. that's a big concern but he's probably going to be the clear cut top target getter on this team but there's a rookie here that matters a lot in terms of Michael Wilson can Michael, I agree right. we, we've talked about hmm. Michael Wilson on the podcast before we have. But I think he matters a lot. Like if he can be the X receiver on this offense and let Hollywood Brown in a more traditional NFL offense, too, by the way, um, I think that that's going to help Hollywood Brown a lot. Be that flanker receiver because we know they're not they're not putting and they're not doing it in the preseason. They're not putting Rondell Moore out there in two receiver sets like they are not. They are not going to have. I love that. That was a question, too, in fantasy circles at one point. Like is Rondell Moore sure. going to play in two receiver sets. Yeah, they're definitely going to have Marquise Brown be the X receiver and Rondell Moore, the flanker. Sure. Those guys. Maybe combined weigh as much as me, okay? Uh, no, not that, <laughs> not that much. Uh, no, nah, I'm being facetious there. But those guys are, those guys are small, so that's not going to work. So right, yes, if, if Michael small. Wilson can emerge as the X, that's going to allow Hollywood Brown to play in a comfortable role for him this year.
0: Yeah, and Michael Wilson, as we've kind of you know, highlighted on this program, it, it's, he's, again, his collegiate profile, he's a tough customer. Yeah. You know, uh, this is a guy that's going to fight. right? Is he the best wide receiver? Probably not. That's okay. But you need a little beef out there every now and again. I mean, you talk about mixing up the run pass options and stuff like that. You know, you want a little guy out there kind of being able to block and do those kind of different things too. And I think Michael Wilson is certainly um, a tough player. You know, I think that is 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 no doubt part of his profile. Uh, as a wide receiver, and so we'll see. We'll see what he can do as a rookie. Rondale Moore, another wide receiver they've got on roster. Greg Dortch, I thought, I thought Greg Dortch from the slot last year uh, showed some signs too. You know, uh, again, is he? Would you? ideally have him as you know a, a starting slot guy I don't know maybe maybe not but uh but I tell you there were there were games last year where I said hey Greg Dorch random ass name Greg Dortch, <laughs> actually put together a few plays here
1: yeah Greg Dorch, another small guy they bring in Zach Pascal yep. who of course played with the Eagles last year new head coach Jonathan Gannon came from the Eagles he was the defensive coordinator so that makes sense from a connective tissue maybe set the culture type guy Zach Pascal Another one of ODU's finest, a great blocking receiver. So, uh, that, that is probably a guy who's probably more of a, another player who should be a big slot flanker type. But, uh, I would thought there was a chance if there was like some veteran deference that, you know, Michael Wilson might play behind Zach Pascal. But it looks like Michael Wilson's going to run out there as a top X receiver. Yeah. Like I think that makes him the deepest of deep sleepers. The guy's like the 260th overall player off the board in fantasy right now. But, um, Again, I think Marquise Brown is going to have to be the top target getter for this team. Ideally, you want him as a two. We don't even really know who's going to be throwing footballs for the majority of the Arizona Cardinals season, so that's a rather large question. But um, I don't know. At first, I thought there was like a 0% chance that Kyler Murray plays this year. Now I think there might be more of like a – like he probably plays at some point this year. And when Kyler's out there, I think him and uh, Brown, dating back to college, have had really good chemistry. And I think that this sort of makes. We'll see how teams defend Kyler Murray coming off of an a late season ACL tear last year, but if they're still going to run a lot of those zone coverages against this team, we know that Marquise Brown can can get open on those plays.
0: You know, I was just thinking about this because we talk about the the height and size and everything for these uh, these players on the Arizona Cardinals. Compare and contrast that with the Colts. <laughs> yeah. you couldn't ask for two more different, like you know, body. You know, style types when we're talking about football construction. Good lord! Uh, I mean, from the quarterback down, Anthony Richardson versus Kyler Murray. Then you look at all the wide receivers. They got a bunch of six five dudes just
1: running around. How and about the Arizona's Chargers too? Dude? They have like hulking wide oh, receivers, sure. a massive quarterback, and and yeah, no, the the Cardinals are just they're a tiny team. They're a pretty small team.
0: Uh, one of their best playmakers, Zach Ertz, is uh, going to his H33 season towards ACL, MCL in mid-November. When is he going to be around? Uh, we're not sure. Trey McBride will step in, uh, be a starting tight end pass catcher for them uh, in this Arizona Cardinals offense. Uh, I want to just talk very briefly about uh, this coaching staff. You, you brought it up. Jonathan Gannon. Uh, Drew Petzing is their offensive coordinator. And Nick Rollis is their defensive coordinator. Matt, w- I mean, we just got done talking about this with Denver. We just saw how much of an absolute train wreck it was in Denver. The guy didn't even last one season. And they're going back to a similar style of game plan here uh, from a coaching experience angle in Arizona. I, I just, I don't get it. I mean, Rawls is their DC. This dude graduated from college seven years ago. Um, Drew Petsig and Nick Rollis. Yes, seven years ago, this guy graduated college. Uh, Drew Petsig and and Nick Rollis, their their coordinators, have zero, zero coordinator experience. Their head coach obviously has zero head coaching experience, which know he he was a defensive coordinator for Philadelphia. That was fine, I guess. But again, I'm always worried about these guys that have built their reputation off off of teams that are just, nasty you know I, I mean just from a talent t- uh, talent standpoint Philadelphia's defense is disgusting like they're good you know what I mean <laughs> like how much of that is Jonathan Gannon I don't know so I don't know man like Denver just got done with this and, and Arizona's going right back to it I, I just I guess I just don't
1: get it Nick Rollis is younger than me that's crazy that's crazy that's crazy that's, that's insane, insane. <laughs> yeah he's 30 years old he was born in 1993 um that's sheesh. wild anyways <laughs> Yikes, man. I'm getting old, I guess. But uh, no, I mean, look, I I think the age (laughs) is one thing, but certainly I think where they brought in Jonathan Gannon and who knows if it's right or wrong, whether it works or not. But I think their justification of it was this is a culture guy. I don't think they're bringing him Mm -hmm. in because of, oh, what he did with the Eagles defense or the schematics of it or anything like that. I think, uh, number one, Jonathan Gannon and Monty Ossenfort, uh, who's hired as the GM, is they have a relationship. Uh, they're, they're, there was a connective tissue there, so that's part of it. They bring him in as the culture guy, and uh, this is a culture that did need to be reset. I mean, Steve Kime has been had been there forever. And, and like right. they were a consistent promote from within. It had been kind of the same ideas recycled around the Arizona Cardinals building. So I get them at least saying, we need a fresh start. I get them at least saying, like, we need something different. And uh, Monty and Jonathan Gannon are going to be on the same page about setting kind of a more of a hard nosed culture than what we had mm-hmm. with Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime and even Steve Kime writing. Right. Back for a long time before that. So I understand they need a breath of fresh air. The Drew Petzing thing I do think is interesting. Again, just to get back to more of a traditional NFL thing because, look, I mean, the Cleveland offense is not – I mean, Kevin Stefanski has been really interesting throughout his NFL career because he is um, – he, he's been a guy that like takes in a lot of different ideas. He's pretty t- – he's kind yeah. of like Shanahan-ish, heavy, like play action, wide zone, stuff like that. But he doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily come off of that coaching tree. He just really glommed onto it and and liked it a lot, and then was uh, under Gary Kubiak for a while uh, in yeah. Minnesota, which is kind of how it, then he really got onto it more there. Yep. Um, I, I I think that there's a chance that works out pretty well. Like the, bringing in that style of offense works well with this personnel from like a receiver group. And again, if they're just more traditional, like the Cliff Kingsbury thing, they just never it just never really worked it was so horizontal it was like they had these guys and i think like marquise brown and rondeo moore probably better like working horizontal than they are necessarily down the field but i also thought kyler murray right. like kyler murray would un- uncork five to ten deep balls a year where it's like why are we getting this guy pushing the ball downfield more like why are right. we kind of overemphasizing on the screen game the horizontal rate is what a few people called it uh God. I, I think like I mean, Kyler Murray, if he's ever if he's playing him for this team on the long term and he is signing a long term contract, but if he's playing with his team yeah. in the long term, like having him drop back, boot out and like chuck it down the field on play action. I think that's a lot more intriguing theoretically than uh, what we've seen the last few years.
0: Ah, oh, that's interesting that you would say that. I'm not sure I, he has such limited experience turning his back to the defense. Um, I wonder how he'll handle that. You so, know, and again, now there there is something to say about hey, you're going to cut the field in half, mm-hmm. right? You can go boot boot action to the outside. You cut the field in half. You take away some of his reads, and just you know, you you, you can you can get a quick game off of off of play action um, as well. But <clears throat> I don't, I, I'm just I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> you're talking about culture. Uh, is Kyler Murray a culture guy I don't know Uh, I think Arizona is in a I think they're in a world of hurt for 2023 possibly in 2024 Uh, they might be exploring to just blow up the entire you know roster uh, starting next year. how many defensive starters can you
1: name on the Arizona Cardinals right now how many defensive starters can you name that are good none zero I, I think it's going to be <laughs> i mean
0: buddabaker is I mean, a pretty really? good
1: player buddabaker okay, a pretty fine. good player the only right. other starter no, i think that big. maybe 25 percent of nfl fans could really name is like Zaven collins who they're moving to kind of a different position where he was an off-ball linebacker and now he's going to be like rushing the right. passer but other than that like you look at that cardinals depth chart right now on from a defense standpoint maybe there's nobody they have they have all the they have some of these like veteran dudes uh you know on on offense whether it's Zach Ertz who you mentioned or James Connor is still kicking around there so yeah they're kind of still like mm-hmm. a sneaky old offense uh even even though some of the older guys like DeAndre Hopkins and AJ freaking Green have moved on uh and and they've got those small mighty mice receiver but then yeah it's like you look at the 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 depth chart on defense and it's just. It's oh, it's pretty rough. horrendous. So, yeah, oh, it's horrendous. They could, they, they're definitely in a world of hurt this year. That's for sure.
0: I, they don't. E- I just don't think they even have anybody who's, you know, intriguing. I, I'd be surprised if they don't move on from Buda Baker. Yeah, <clears throat> to be honest with you. I, I mean, they should. Uh, he he plays safety they could get a pretty good return on him, you know, get some draft picks back. I don't know. Anyways, we're getting down the weeds here on the Cardinals, who I think are just going to be absolutely horrendous um, in 2023. I don't I think I, I think I read this right. Uh, they're not favored to win a single game. That is correct uh, in, in the NFL in their upcoming schedule. So that should be interesting. Hey, listen. um, Hollywood Brown is a guy that's got some traits that you know you would say, okay, he could play outside, uh, but probably be best suited to be your number two. When you use those words in that terminology, it it feels a lot like Jalen Hyatt there for the Giants. He's got some traits, uh, certainly that are intriguing. But even in this preseason right now the Giants don't seem to be fully committed to Jalen Hyatt as a starter. Uh, they played against the Panthers. he ran 13 routes, most of them again not with the ones. He saw five targets, four grabs for 35 yards and a touchdown. I don't know Matt uh, Jalen Hyatt from the early preseason stuff, is there anything that you can latch on to and say mm, okay, this is interesting or or yeah, you know I saw this saw this in his collegiate profile and he's basically exhibiting the same stuff.
1: Well, that touchdown that he had looked an awful lot like what he would do at uh yes. at Tennessee, right? Where and you know, it's it's the preseason, it's still not real NFL defenses necessarily, but you know, he's right. a guy who would line up in the slot primarily mm-hmm. and he would just rip teams up the seam. He would rip teams, you know, on those like Core, uh, excuse me. He would rip teams on those like post and corner routes. He would rip teams on nine mm-hmm. routes up the middle. Just kind of almost looked like he was uncovered, which is exactly what his touchdown rate looked like. But it was. Yeah. I think based on the preseason, um, these Giants receivers are going to rotate a ton. Uh, like yeah, Darius Slayton had the highest route participation according to Dwayne McFarland with eighty uh, percent. With Daniel Jones, Isaiah Hodgins was at seventy percent. You know, Paris Campbell, he gets in the mix at at sixty percent. Jalen Hyatt gets there at thirty percent. They're obviously not even going to play a guy like Sterling Shepard in the preseason. Um, right, Wondell Robinson's probably not going to play early in the season. I think these guys are going to rotate a ton. I don't think there's anybody out yep. that, like even Darius Slayton at eighty percent. That's still pretty low for a number one receiver. And he, you know, between him and Hodgins at eighty percent um, and and seventy percent it's just going to be tough for any of these guys to make a major impact. Other than Darren Waller, you know, he gets like 44% of the targets uh, with Daniel Jones week two. I think he's going to be a target (laughs) monster as long as he stays healthy. But I do think Jalen Hyatt just being out there is impactful. And like Jalen Hyatt as a first round pick back in the draft when he was being discussed, like at that level, I was like, no, you can't you can't do that because he's just such an incomplete player. But as a right. third-round pick for the Giants and as a guy that they're going to sprinkle in as a rookie while he figures out how to play in a real NFL offense, that's great. I mean, that's a great pick for the Giants. You have to love taking him there because he does have truly – like lid lifting speed he has even when yep. he's out there teams are gonna have to be like okay where is number 84 i love by the way he's wearing 84 what a professional not one of yeah. these single ticket <laughs> nonsense things like that Wait, Wearing w- wearing a number in the 80s like a big boy they're gonna be like where is number 84 <laughs> hold on hold on let's back, let's back up here what what what? Are we going back to
0: the 90s where you, yes. know, you gotta be you gotta be a receiver wearing the 80s you know like des bryant wearing the 88s
1: and yes stuff? The, michael irvin wearing the 80s Steve Smith number 89, uh, Randy Moss 81, uh, you know, you, I mean he was 84 times 2. Um, just yeah. yeah, totally. I got to be in the 80s. Got, okay. I love the receiver right. 80 numbers. Uh, I mean, it's just it's classic. It's clean. Okay. The the teens were fine. Uh, I mean, now nah, but it's like you got guys I mean you got Darren Waller out there wearing 12 as a tight end. Give me a break. Like tight end should be in the about 80s. That one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody's I agree over- with that.
0: That okay, that, that I agree with. But I I, I like the teens. I like I actually like the single digits too. I kinda like you know, I kinda like seeing ones rolling it's around fine. out there, no? Is that a bridge too far? I mean, I don't know.
1: I don't like. I don't like Sky Moore wearing number twenty four. <laughs> I mean, Jadavian Clowney is wearing twenty four as a pass rusher for the Ravens right now. Yeah. I mean, for what right. he does, rushing passer is it edge defender for the Ravens? It's too far. Some of this jersey number stuff is too okay. far. Okay. Uh, even the That's zero, I'm kind of. I'm kind of hit or miss on. All
0: right, so Jalen Hyatt rocking the eighty four, running out there, running around uh, for the Giants against the Panthers. Um, he did catch that again, a, a thirty three yarder. Uh, for a score. Although again, you know, the, the Panthers got caught here, right? Uh, it was Hyatt in motion, moving into the slot. And then it was a one-on-one with the safety on the back end. I mean, he's going to win that battle every single, and it's a, probably a backup safety at that. So um, he's going to win that battle every single time. Um, the play right before that, Matt, I don't know if you saw this horrendous drop, horrendous yeah. drop. Uh, could have picked up an extra 20 yards right there. I, I think he has looked at least from that game against the Panthers again, 13 routes run. I go through his, you know, his routes there. He looks so much better against zone than he does uh, against man coverage and especially against press coverage. Forget about it. I don't think he just doesn't have that technique right now uh, to get off a press, but certainly I thought he looked a lot better against zone than man. Is that, does that jive well with what you saw uh, at Tennessee?
1: Well, Press coverage for sure gave him trouble. 18th percentile success rate versus press coverage. Um, I actually yeah. thought he was better against man coverage than zone coverage. Uh, 42nd percentile success rate versus man coverage in college. You know, 68%. It's not a terrible number. Uh, the zone mm-hmm. number was really low. Uh, but some of that is the route combinations for uh, for that offense. And, and overall, like I think he still needs you – know, I was actually talking with um, – with uh, Austin Eckler about this this morning about maybe receivers are actually better in the, like as rookies coming in, if they like, if they can beat man coverage, because it's a little bit more samey, right? Where, okay. Mm -hmm. It's not the same thing. It's obviously quality of, of defense is going to be a whole nother part of it, but you can at least sit there and say, Hey, I know how to, I'm going to, I'm this guy's manned up on me. I got to just beat the man. Right. Whereas uh, zone coverage, like we talk about this all the time especially with the damn Tennessee offense and the spacing that they created, which is just you can't replicate in the NFL. (laughs) Some of that zone coverage stuff is going to be very, very different. Uh, You know, just where you sit down, where you settle. So it might be actually better for these rookie receivers if they have an understanding for how to beat man coverage. And and if they need to take time, like I think Jalen Hyatt does, like I think even Quinton Johnson, who plays for the Chargers, obviously, those Mm -hmm. guys might take a little bit more extra time to get ready because they're not used to beating you. They weren't even great zone beaters in college. And now right. the spacing is even more difficult. But I do think overall, like from a vertical standpoint, the plays where Hyatt is going to be successful is splitting safeties, is doing those corner routes from the slot like we saw in the preseason against like deeper zone coverage, softer zone coverage, because he really can fly, man. He's, a, he's obviously yeah. fast, even if his time For speed, sure. like 40-yard dash, whatever, wasn't great. He can obviously fly, but yeah, some of the nuances, some of the technique in his route running absolutely has to be refined, absolutely has to get better. There's no question about that, and you can see in the preseason, you can definitely see it at college.